Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is still the 2nd of, oh no, the 22nd of February, the second month, the 22nd day, the year 2022. Paul is, Paul, my yeah. producer, is Super making Tuesday. much today. Yes. yes. Making much today of Super Tuesday. <laughs> so Paul is playing all kinds of twofer music. I don't know. Right? Well, I've had a few songs in there and I got a few <laughs> recommendations, but, you know, I'm also trying to make sure we have some other appropriate music as well. So. <laughs> So, um, Paul is ever um, working on making sure we have appropriate music for each and every day. So, thank you. I no just uh, I, I genuinely appreciate it. You make so many wonderful things happen during the show, and I don't know that everyone sees behind the scenes in the same way. Um, and so, thank you. Thank you for lining up guests. Thank you for connecting with them. Thank you for uh, pushing all the right buttons and uh, and playing all the right songs. So, thanks, Paul. Well, you're welcome. It's a joy. Yeah. So I was reading in the New York Times. Actually, I was reading about the New York Times. There you go. Uh, they have an ad campaign. It features a woman named Leanna who, quote, is imagining Harry Potter without its creator. Now, that is a reference to an article from June in 2020 when uh, the New York Times uh, said, you know, Harry Potter fans are reimagining their world without its creator. And now they have a reader of the paper named Leanna who is doing just that. And they are using her in an ad campaign. So you say to yourself, what's going on here? Well, back in 2020, the New York Times was reporting that, you know, there are these people who listen chapter by chapter. They get tattoos with a Hogwarts crest or Deathly Hallows symbols. They attend Potter conferences. Um, they, uh, they have built careers on the Harry Potter brand. Uh, but they have also decided to walk away from the creator of the Harry Potter series, world characters, on and on and on, J.K. Rowling. Because even though, quote, she gave us Harry Potter, she gave us this world, um, but we created the fandom, we created the magic, we created the community, that's ours to keep, we're leaving her behind. So this idea of leaving uh, the creator behind, <clears throat> you know from a Christian worldview, caught my attention. So I didn't comment on this at the time, but now that the New York Times is giving its giving what we would call journalistic legs, like now this story has legs, uh, through an associated ad campaign, imagining Harry Potter without its creator, um, I just wanted to be sure we pointed out what's going on here. Harry Potter is a fictional character. Hogwarts is a fictional school. It is conceived of in the imagination, written by, published, and made into movies and theme parks by a creator. She's a real person. She has a name, J.K. Rowling. Um, she really created the characters, the settings, the stories. She really wrote the books. She's really made more than a billion, with a B, dollars off of the Harry Potter enterprise. And yet there are many, 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 many people, including uh, the cast and characters who have also made 
lots of money off of this enterprise who want they want the world they want the characters they want the money but without its creator this sounds so familiar doesn't it how many people want the blessings of god the blessings of god's good creation even the characters in the storyline like i don't know noah or the good samaritan or a guardian angel or a baby in a manger at christmas they want the characters they want the storyline even sometimes but without the creator of it all how many people want to imagine that they're going to heaven even though they're canceling the king of heaven himself if you've been tempted to imagine that life could be rightly lived without a relationship with the creator of it then you have done precisely the same thing that liana has done imagining harry potter without its creator you have literally lost the plot of the author of life itself if you are imagining life can be rightly lived without a relationship to life's creator so i invite you today to reconsider the redemptive narrative of human history read the original story get to know the author of life itself and reject the temptation of the day which suggests that you could have the kingdom without the king we're going to talk this morning with abigail wrist she is a junior at cedarville university and she grew up in ukraine that's up next here on mornings with carmen Abigail Rist. She is a student at Cedarville University, daughter of Ukrainian missionaries, and it is her home country. Abigail, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I just want to start with an acknowledgement that along with everyone else, I'm praying for your family, the people of Ukraine, um, and we can scarcely imagine what you're feeling, um, but thank you so much for joining us as a sister in Christ this morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Absolutely. Um, you you grew up in Ukraine. Um, let's just talk for a moment about, you know, about your family. Your parents are missionaries in Ukraine. Are they there now? My family moved back permanently to the U.S. about a year ago, but they served as missionaries in Ukraine for 21 years. They moved over when I was four months old. So it really is your home. Um, I mean, yeah. you certainly lived, I mean, much more of your life in Ukraine than you have here in the States as a student at Cedarville. Um, when you read the headlines, when you see on social media and, and in the media writ large what's happening in Ukraine, can you just talk about what you're feeling and um and how you're thinking about what's happening there it's it's very difficult it's very difficult waking up every morning and knowing that ukraine is seven hours ahead and so you don't know what's happened um in the day what's happened already um you just i wake up and read the headlines and sometimes my stomach stomach just sinks to the floor it's it's hard to believe that the country i call home is going through such turmoil when we, um, you know, we hear 
and read, you know, Vladimir Putin of Russia saying that these parts of Ukraine have declared their independence and he's, you know, supportive of that and sending in, quote unquote, Russian peacekeepers into those regions. Would you give us a little geography lesson? I mean, one of the failures, frankly, of the American educational process is we don't really learn much geography and we certainly don't learn much history outside of our own. So can you give us a little geography lesson about what Putin is talking about? The two areas that um, Putin has declared as independent regions are the Donetsk, Luhansk areas. They're the easternmost um, portions of Ukraine. They're basically the equivalent to some sort of state. Each of them is a, some, sort of, some sort of state. Um, both of those regions are very rich in coal mining and have historically been really, have had a lot of ethnic Russians or has been um, very rich in speaking the Russian language. Okay, let's talk about language for a moment. Um, what is your native tongue? What what language do you most comfortably speak? It would be a mix of uh, Ukrainian and English. I grew up in Ukrainian schools, so I mean, the only time I spoke English as a little girl was when I was talking with my parents. Um, but now that I'm uh, studying in at university in English, um, English tends to be easier for me. Mm -hmm. Would you, um, Abigail, um, would you pray in Ukrainian for people who are listening right now for whom that is their heart language? Um, I feel like a prayer out of your heart for um, people whose native tongue is Ukraine, Ukrainian who might be listening right now just might be a real blessing for you to pray us um, uh, pray us into this this very brief break that we need to take. Um, so would you do that? Just offer up a prayer for those who are listening right now whose heart language is Ukrainian. Yes. Боже, я дуже молю за Україну. Боже, я молю, щоб ти дав мир людям, щоб ти дав сили людям, щоб люди тебе бачили, щоб люди тебе сильно любили, сильно служили. Боже, щоб ти був над всією зараз, щоб і ти і Росію благословив, і Україну благословив. Ну, Боже, дай, дай спокій, дай мир Україні. Амінь. Амінь. We're talking with Abigail Rist. She is a student at Cedarville University. She's the daughter of Ukrainian missionaries and spent 21, uh, or spent her life there from the time that she was four months old until she came to the States to go to school. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Talking with Abigail Rist. She is a student at Cedarville University. She grew up in Ukraine. We're talking about the developments there and how her faith is carrying her through. Abigail, um, let's uh, let's pivot to that subject. When you oh, take that deep breath every morning and when you lay your head down on the pillow every night, let me you know just share with us like how is your faith in Christ carrying you through? Not being there, I think, is part of the challenge, and yet knowing so many who are there facing very real challenges today. It's definitely harder being here than it would be if I was there right now. Um, it's amazing to see, though, that God God is still good. Even in the heaviness of the situation right now, God is still very good. He surrounded me with a wonderful community here at Cedarville that just loves on me, prays for me all the time. People are constantly texting me or walking up and asking to pray for me or for my friends and friends who are like family back in Ukraine. And that is just 
so needed and so heartwarming. Um, and you just, I wake up every morning and I can, I can trust 170% that God is good and it's going to be okay. At the end of the day, whatever the outcome is, it's going to be okay. Mm. I love that. Um, can you take us into maybe the experience of a person your age, maybe a friend of yours in Ukraine? Give us a little sense of what their life is like. Um, you were in Kiev, is that correct? Yes. So just talk with us about that. I mean, it's a it's a big city. It's it's metropolitan. It's I mean, it's likened unto maybe what city in America that you could point to. It's a city of three million in the post-Soviet world. It's it's very hard to compare it to anything here in the U.S. Um, people, people in Ukraine, they love, especially in Kiev, they love the city. They love being able to go out to eat. They love exploring. Coffee shops are a big deal right now. Um, and especially coffee shop evangelism is huge right now. I know a lot of my friends back at my church who are around my age, they do this thing where they have um, coffee shops once a month. They turn the church into a coffee shop. They have an espresso machine and they just invite people to come into the church and play games, share a little devotional. And that's how they have used the people's love for for coffee shops and food and, and restaurants and going out um, to bring people into the church and evangelize to them. Okay, let's um, let's talk about coffee. When you describe coffee or coffee shop evangelism, what kind of coffee am I sitting down to have in Ukraine? Most likely a cappuccino. <laughs> okay, and they play games. What kind of games would we be playing? The exact same games that you would play here in the U.S. Uno, Monopoly, um, Face Ten, any of those games. Okay, I love that. That is so fun. See, you're what you're helping us um, understand, Abigail, is how it seems so foreign, right? And the word foreign is, you know, means it's just like far away from me. And but you're bringing it into my reality. I drink cappuccino. I play Phase Ten. I know what you're talking about. Um, you talk about your church in Ukraine. Tell us, walk us into that experience. Um, what it, what was your church experience in Ukraine like? My church very much raised me like family, um, and I wouldn't be the person I am today without them for sure. Growing up in a church that, well, Ukraine didn't experience freedom of religion under the Soviet Union. So for the past 30 years, my church and churches all around Kiev and Ukraine have experienced freedom of religion, and it's been beautiful um, watching the church grow, watching the church mature, people are very hungry, very hungry for the Bible, very hungry to learn. Um, they want to go to seminary. People are pursuing chaplaincy programs in light of the crisis right now. It's it's a very rich and sincere faith, and people just want to do everything that they potentially can do right in the eyes of the Lord, because they now have the opportunity to openly and freely worship Him. When you're talking um, about, you know, evangelism and you're talking about, you know, churches that are no more than 30 years old, post-Soviet, um, there's you're making a distinction. And I'm, I'm aware of this distinction in the region between um, the historic churches that would um, predate, uh, I mean, they would predate communism, and then the evangelical movement. Is that, is that where you would... Um, 
sort of make a distinction in terms of Christian religious expression in Ukraine, that there are these historically orthodox Christians and then there are evangelical Christians? Yes, for sure. Um, Ukraine is a very religious, very people really value orthodoxy. But when you when I'm going to church, I'm talking about my evangelical church, my evangelical brothers and sisters. And that distinction is important. Um, and I think that here in the United States, we don't we don't often think a whole lot about the historic expressions of the Orthodox Church. But um, that is a big deal when we're talking about Russian Orthodoxy and we're talking about the Russian Orthodox Church and its um, essentially stamp of approval it has given to Putin and his plans versus um, you know, what is going on in Kiev in terms of Orthodox Christianity as well. And I just want our listeners to be aware of that, um, that when Abigail is talking about her church experience, she's talking about an evangelical expression of Christianity that's really only existed um, post-communist, you know, post the Soviet uh, reign and rule. And so we're talking about something that's really only about 30 years old in the region. And so um, we can be praying for evangelical Christians um, in in Ukraine. We can be praying that God would continue to supply for them, that God would build up the church there, that he would use this as a kingdom advancing opportunity, even as the kingdoms of this world continue to struggle and uh, and strain. Um, Abigail, any um, any final thoughts you want to share with us today? And, and then in particular, how could we be praying for you and how can we be praying for our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine? I think one of the biggest ways we can be praying for uh, our brothers and sisters back in Ukraine is um, people are still walking through very strict COVID regulations. And so it's very hard for churches to gather right now churches to do any sort of evangelism, do any sort of gatherings. And so you're facing um, a very strict COVID shutdown in the region. And then you're also faced with 100,000 plus troops on the border and people don't know what their life is going to look like maybe next week. And so people are seeking something and that's something they're seeking. What does life mean? And that something is found, life is found in Jesus Christ. And the church has a wonderful opportunity to share that if they can step outside of the COVID regulations. Mm. Abigail, um, thank you so much. We're going to be praying for you, and you're going to be the person um, who we're going to have in mind as we're praying for the people of Ukraine. So please... um, Please reach out to us when there is a, when there is a development or an opportunity that you think to yourself, hey, I really want more Christians in America to know what's happening in this particular circumstance or with this particular expression of the church um, in Ukraine. We would we would love to uh, have you keep us up to date. All right, thank you. Thank you. Oh, and I should ask Abigail, what are you studying? Oh, international studies. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you'd be very good at that. All right. That's Abigail Rist. She is a junior at Cedarville University, and she grew up in Ukraine as the daughter of Ukrainian missionaries. Uh, Abigail, thank you so much for joining us. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint. Just the two of us. Hey, if there's just going to be two of us, then it's going to be me and Jesus. I'm just letting you know. Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. There's no trying uh, with someone else if Jesus isn't, 
you know, if I'm not yoked to him first. So there you go. Sorry, just the two of us is going to be me and Jesus if it just comes down to two of us. <clears throat> That's not, you know, any criticism of you. I'm just saying you're literally going to be the third wheel in that relationship, as I would be in in your relationship, because it should be just the two of you, you and Jesus. Okay, it is Tuesday, 2-22-22. Ruth Cho Simons uh, is an author. She's an artist. Uh, you may know her from her wildly popular Grace Laced podcast. She has a new book um, entitled When Strivings Cease, and this grows out of the reality that we all live under a lot of pressure, like pressure to lead, pressure to be productive, pressure to seize the day, pressure to parent well, pressure to be our best self, pressure to make the most of the time we have, pressure, pressure, pressure. It's like a pressure cooker. And she wants us to take a deep breath and rest in the Lord and experience grace and not view ourselves as a self-improvement project. Now, that's not to say that we're not being improved by the Holy Spirit by one degree of glory to another every single day, but that's the Holy Spirit's work. We, um, we simply cooperate in that as it happens. So when strivings cease, replacing the gospel of self-improvement with the gospel of life-transforming grace, We could all use more of that. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us today, Ruth Cho Simons. Among other things, she is the author of When Strivings Cease. You can find her at gracelaced.com. Dot com. Ruth, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, I'm so glad to be here, Carmen. Okay, I pretty much just want to talk about your six boys, but um, maybe we can work that in. That's a For lot sure. of boys. It really is, isn't it? I mean, they age and my range from what to crazy. what? My youngest is eight and my oldest is almost 20. Wow. Okay. So I feel, I don't know, I feel slightly better because it's not like you've got like six and they're all under 10 or some crazy thing like that. So, okay. I'm going to (laughs) breathe deeply. Six boys. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. I am uh, a person who totally resonates with this strivings challenge. Um, And so when striving cease is just such a gift. Talk with us about um, kind of the inspiration for the book, because I think that there are a lot of women who need this message right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, you know, have a ministry and a business called Grace Laced. And for many years, I've been um, the artist and author behind several books and create these products. But I think Women don't realize that for so much of what we see online, there is this thing behind the scenes so often where we are fighting this um, need for approval and this need for um, belonging and trying to like achieve our way through life and trying to find where we belong by the things that we do. And that's really where... um, I spent so much of my life and I've never gotten to tell the story until now. And so it really is the story of how God's grace entered my life and um, gave me a better way than the hustle and the striving and the anxiously maneuvering things to try to make things work out my way. And, uh, you know, I, I think women right now are inundated with, you just have to walk down any bookstore aisle and you can see all the formulas that are available to us. You know, there's, there's every kind of 
possible formula for improving yourself, achieving your dreams, getting further in life. And while some of those are good tools, I think we are more exhausted than ever. And truly, as a Christ Christ follower, I really just ask myself, if I really believe that Jesus is all I need, then why do I spend my time thinking that I'm not enough and I have to constantly uh, prove myself when really in Christ, I've been given so much more than I realize um, for life and living. I love that you juxtapose this um, false gospel of self-improvement, which I will Mm -hmm. just now call the hustle gospel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? It's like the hustle gospel um, versus the the real gospel, the true gospel, and what it tells Mm -hmm. us. So can you talk about the the false gospel of self-improvement or hustle? Um, and then, yeah. and then be sure, you know, that we get the true gospel and what it tells us about uh, ourselves. For sure. You know, so no matter how good the tools are for organization or for achieving goals, the, the false gospel of self-improvement is this idea that if you just try hard enough, and if you just run fast enough and make sure that you just nail it on the things that you're trying to do, then you can somehow in some ways, save your life, make sure that you are um, coming out on top and being the best version of yourself, um, living your dream life, right? And and it's always, the the, the common thread is that the false gospel of self-improvement is really not good good news at all because it puts you at the center of all hope and that you have to rely on yourself and that you must be the hero of your own story. That's really the common thread. Whether it says it or not, it turns all attention back onto yourself where you go, I'm a failure unless I do these things. I can't um, ever please God or please anyone else if I don't um, improve myself in these ways. But the true gospel of grace, when we look at Paul's, right? Paul is, the Apostle Paul was such a um, instrumental part of writing the scriptures so that we understand the, the gospel of grace. I mean, we see the the covenant with Abraham in the Old Testament where God ultimately says, it's not because you've got it together. It's not even because you are doing it right. I'm going to even put you to sleep and, and, and fall and create this covenant and make this happen myself. And it's not going to be because you did anything great. But then later Paul shares with us in the New Testament, um, especially like in Ephesians 2, he says, you know, it's by grace through faith, not your own works. You can't you can't earn this thing. You can't receive God's gift, which is forgiveness in Christ, restoration to him, um, a place at his side, at his table, presence with him forever, never being cast out. That's the good news. And ultimately, full transformation to be made new, not just a little bit better, not just a little improved or being just a little bit quicker or faster or more pleasing, but to be made new and more like him. That's all part of the gift of grace. And Paul reminds us again and again um, through so many letters in the New Testament that it is a gift from God because he loves us, because he wanted to do all that he knew we could not do ourselves. We can't even secure ourselves by his side or be good enough to earn his favor. So through Christ, when we receive the gift of forgiveness and restoration through the blood of Jesus, that is how we enter into um, this favor we cannot earn, this better than improvement, but full transformation that only comes by the grace of God. And that's truly good news because you're no longer the hero. I'm no longer the hero. We can't save ourselves. Well, and we can rest. 
Like you can rest in the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I and every woman that I know, every Christian woman that I know, I mean, we are exhausted, right? Absolutely. It's exhausting to try to, you know, keep up and I don't know, have an Instagrammable life, which everyone listening knows Mm -hmm. I do not have. I just post pictures of my dog. (laughs) My dog has an Instagrammable life. I do not. So um, uh, it's, Ruth, it's such a joy um, to talk with you. I want to direct everyone to Ruth's website, gracelaced.com, because there you can see what she's doing as an artist and an entrepreneur. You can see what she's doing um, in terms of her podcast. We're talking today about her latest book, When Strivings Cease. I'm wondering um, which of the strivings you most often struggle with. We're going to ask Ruth that question next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Picking up in our conversation with Ruth Cho Simons, right where we left off. Ruth, um, one of the things that you talk about in When Striving Cease are the ways that we strive. And I'm wondering, which of the strivings do you um, do you think that you most often struggle with, or which one do you think most women you know often struggle, often mm. struggle with? Yeah, I think the two that stick out for me is, one, I always sense it when I'm in a room full of women. I want to belong. I want to be seen and known and loved for who I am. And it's really easy to suddenly do that through comparison, right? Like, I want to belong. What do I need to do to belong? And so you try to adjust your behavior or manipulate circumstances or or you're just anxiously worried that you won't be welcomed in. And I think that's one of the ways in which we will strive at the core to find belonging. But the other thing I think is uh, what I see all the time right now is that there are more opportunities than ever before for women. Women are multitasking and, you know, sometimes to our detriment, but we are raising families and serving in our churches and um, running a side hustle. There are so many opportunities that we're excited to use our giftings. And I'm so grateful for all those things because I'm also a part of that, um, getting to use multiple giftings in a season of life. However, I think so often the mixed messaging can come in where we think that we are what we do. And so we start striving because we think that our self-worth is wrapped up in other people's approval of our achievement. So whether or not we are impressive, whether or not we are the best, whether or not we gain attention, and that is really easily seen through whether or not you have followers or whether you have downloads, how many people are tuning into this radio show, how many people are buying your books, right? It's so easy to start measuring as if you are where you measure out. Oh, that's so helpful. The book is When Strivings Cease. Ruth Cho Simons is the author. Um, Ruth, was there a, a particular event or turning point when you just realized God's grace is enough? I think it was quite progressive and it took a, a long time. I'm, I'm, I don't learn that quickly. And I think I tried so long, Carmen, to like hold it all together and be the best daughter, be the best student. And you know what? We wouldn't be striving if it didn't kind of work, right? You, you, if it just didn't work, you would be like, well, that's a bad way to go, but it works. You actually get ahead in life or people like you, or you win scholarships and you go to college and everybody thinks you're going to be somebody great in your life. And then you start realizing no matter how hard I try, at the end of the day, I know where I'm faulty and where I'm making mistakes. I also know how I'm not really loving God and I'm, I'm 
maybe a facade on the outside. And in that particular season in my early 20s, it was all those things. And then with the addition of, I just can't hold it all together. I'm not going to date just the right person. I'm not going to pick just the right career. I don't know how to do this thing called, you know, living perfectly and being number one. And maybe, you know, somebody listening here today is like, I'm, I don't relate. I've never tried to be number one. I'm not this striving hustler. But I think in, in all of us is the sense of somebody expects something of me and I have to meet that expectation or I won't feel worthy. And so you don't even have to be a straight A student or going to an Ivy League school or a CEO of a company to feel that pressure. We all can feel that even in our in our childhood homes. We can feel that way with our spouses. We can feel that way in our churches. And so that's why it's so important to kind of come back to who is God? What has he done for me in Christ? And who is my who am I in Christ? And so it was in college, Carmen, that I finally, it wasn't that it was big, some big light bulb moment, but it started adding up and I started feeling more and more desperate in my, my search for perfection, you know, and ultimately realizing I just give up. I can't hold it all together. I'm not everything that I'm trying to be on the outside. I have to start with who are you, God, and why did you make me at all? Why did you create me for this earth? I think one of the questions, Ruth, that arises is, I know I'm not um, yet all that God created and calls me to be. Like, I know Mm -hmm. that there's transformation um, that God still desires to do in my life. I want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit moment by moment. I want to be, you know, transformed by one degree of glory to another, more into the likeness Mm -hmm. of Christ. But that's not the self-improvement false gospel. So can you kind of help us see both of those things? Like there are ways that God still wants to make me more who I'm, you know, best designed to be, but that's not the self-improvement gospel. Um, That's this false striving. Right. I think the biggest um, change in my life when I was, when I, is when I realized that theology matters, that I'm being justified, like made right with God. That happens in an instant when you truly believe. But that becoming more like him, that's sanctification. And that happens over a period of time. But it doesn't happen out of guilt and fear and constantly thinking that you're not enough. That's actually happening out of Jesus is enough. God says who I am, not other people. I know that God is faithful. And he says that he will complete the good work he begins in me. And so suddenly then you can read a book if you want to about how to um, lose weight or um, optimize your schedule or get, um, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to improve in your lifestyle. You can read those books, but then your soul and your happiness and your sense of self-worth isn't dependent on those tools. And so that's the real difference, I think, is whether or not we are fueled by the grace we already have received by God, or are we running and chasing and hustling, fearful that we're going to miss out on the best things in life if we don't get it ourselves? Yeah, I think my the visual image there for me is Mary and Martha, um, one, mm-hmm. you know, striving, 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 and one just sitting at Jesus's feet and, you know, and Jesus saying, look, she's chosen the better way. I'm not going to take it away from her. Um, yeah. There are, I do think we have this mis, misconception and misperception of all the things we have to do or need to do mm-hmm. in order for things to, you know, be the way they're supposed to be. And in reality, 
what we need to be doing is whatever it is in that moment that God, you know, ultimately sets before us. And that's sometimes different than what we perceive the world to be demanding. I, I just, it's such a refreshing conversation. You're helping us uh, see it so very clearly. Mm. Ruth, I want people to know um, where on social media, um, you know, like your most preferred place to connect with um, with your social media community is. So what's the best yeah. follow for people online? Well, thank you. Yeah, I love connecting and encouraging my followers every day on Instagram at Ruth Jo Simons. That's R-U-T-H. C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S, and the profile page Grace Laced on Facebook. All right, Grace Laced on Facebook, for those of you that that's where you spend your time. And if you're on Instagram, you're going to look for at Ruth Cho Simons, and Cho is C-H-O-U, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S. The book is When Strivings Cease, and Ruth's website, Grace laced.com. Ruth, what a joy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and we'll be right back. takes two. It takes two, me and you. Thank you so much for making this happen every day. Like, I love the opportunity to have conversations with you every day about things that matter and helping us understand what in the world is going on in the world and bringing the mind of Christ, uh, the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day. Like, I I love that. Like, that's my jam. And it takes two. So thank you on this Tuesday, on this two for Tuesday. 2022 on this two for Tuesday. Thank you for being the two that makes the makes this happen, right? It takes two. I so appreciate that. All right. A few headlines that we still have time to cover um, in the last few uh, moments of our conversation today. Um, there has been a, a, a fossil that is found. Uh, I'm supposed to remind everybody that AT&T is shutting down their 3G network today because that is going to be important to those of you still trying to run on 3G. So let me uh, let me be quick to <clears throat> say that headline because if you miss that and you're a 3G person, like today's the day. You got to go fix that problem. But in other news, um, so on, there's, you know, people are digging up fossils all the time. Like you're aware of this, right? So there's this giant flying reptile discovered on uh, a Scottish island. And they're describing it as exceedingly rare, which, of course, you know, that would be true, right, of a giant flying fossil, or I mean, reptile fossilized. Okay, so here's, I mean, normally I wouldn't talk about these things, but this one is literally the size of an airplane. Like, okay, so this is a vertebrate animal that was flying around, and it was the size of an airplane. So while dinosaurs walked the earth, these airplane-sized vertebrate reptiles were also flying around. So I don't know about you, but that sort of sparks the conversation, right, about all kinds of things, because, you know, I don't see a lot of information about dinosaurs necessarily in the Bible. And so it brings us to the conversation about time and the passage of time and fossils and 
how we feel about all of that. And regardless of how we feel about it, what is the truth about those things? And if you've been to the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, then you know that there are, you know, small uh, examples of or examples of small dinosaurs. So that of that kind, those were preserved by Noah on the Ark as well. You know, each one uh, two of each kind. And so of this kind, there were two, but obviously not the size of airplanes. So um, it is an opportunity for us to think and speak. And I and I think that as thinking Christians, we can't just um, push these headlines aside and say, well, I'm not going to think about that and I'm not going to talk about that. Instead, um, we're going to have to recognize and acknowledge that God is wonderful and the world is full of wonder. And there are some things we're not going to know the full truth about until we get to have that conversation in heaven. But the fossil record certainly indicates that there were creatures, great and small, roaming the earth in and flying above the earth um, in days now gone by. Um, and of course, because of CRISPR technology and all the kinds of things that scientists are able to do today, there is the question about, well, you know, now that we have these fossils and we can maybe extract some DNA from them, maybe we could bring these guys back, which, of course, gets to the whole Jurassic Park conversation and an opportunity for us to say um, there are lots of ideas and not all of them are good. In fact, some ideas are genuinely bad um, and bad ideas have real consequences in the context of real human life. All right, Karen chiming in, um, uh, reminding us that, yes, there is uh, evidence in the Bible of of dinosaurs. Yeah, I know, Leviathan, like we've got conversations in in Job. Um, Yeah, no, no, I get it. I'm not saying that the Bible denies their existence. I'm saying that lots of Christians don't tend to want to have these uh, conversations. So, um, there you go. And yes, my jokesters uh, on the text line as well. Thank you so much. I uh, I see you too. You can always text me. Um, I love to read what you're thinking about what we're talking about. The number is 877-933-2484. You can email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Don't miss out on all the great resources at myfaithradio.com. Um, Love to check in with you and know what's happening where you are. And obviously, I want to know where in the Word you are today. I'm in Acts chapter 22. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way, you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.